Hello and welcome to Fast Charge. I am, as ever, your host, Dom, here for our 70th episode. We just Woo! keep on going whether you like it or not. Uh, <laughs> I am joined this week, as ever, by Toddy. Uh, though we have no Lewis this week, sadly, he is not with us this week. He's feeling a bit under the weather, but he'll be back next week, hopefully. Uh, ably taking his place, uh, completely outmatching him on the beard game, we have Chris stepping in instead. Uh, so... Thank you, Chris. Uh, we have a busy show for you today because this has been a pretty exciting week in the phone world, actually. First up, we are going to run through the Honor 50 series, which was unveiled in China. But what is really exciting is that we know one of the phones, the regular Honor 50, is launching worldwide. And more importantly, it's going to have Google, finally. So Honor is back in a big way, and that is really exciting to see. Uh, second up, I'm afraid we're talking OnePlus again. I feel like this is now maybe the third week running. We've had OnePlus as a segment, but uh, we're not going to talk about the Nord CE again, though I might cover it briefly because I'm now allowed to give you my review thoughts. But the Nord N200 has been announced for the US and I think Canada as well. I think it's North America in yeah. general. Uh, but just as interestingly, OnePlus kind of just quietly slipped out a note on its blog yesterday that it is make, kind of merging further with uh with oppo and tightening that relationship so we're going to talk through what that means what basically you know the two new nord phones plus also this kind of one plus oppo situation and whether whether things are going to change and in what ways and then finally we're going to actually send to another oppo subsidiary realme uh, they held the global launch of the realme gt this week, which was a long time coming. The GT was announced months ago in China. Uh, this is basically exciting because it is now, by some measure, the cheapest Snapdragon 888 phone you can get. Um, it is ludicrous how cheap they've made this thing, at least through its early bird pricing. So we're going to talk about the phone, we're going to talk about what it offers, how they've managed to get it so cheap, and then also just talk a little bit about the fact that they've teased uh, an expansion into their first tablet and laptop as well. So Realme is trying to become a bigger player uh, outside of the phone space too. Before all of that, let's run through a few little other bits and pieces from the phone world this week. Uh, first up, this is one that I really wanted to make sure we covered because uh, regular listeners and watchers will know I'm a big fan of Vivo. They announced just today that the Vivo V21 is launching in the UK, where we're based, uh, but that it will also soon be coming out elsewhere in Europe. Uh, I think this is great. The V21 is that, we talk, spoke about on the show a few weeks ago, it's a selfie-focused phone. So it's a mid-range device. They've gone high-resolution on the selfie camera, and it also has OIS on the selfie camera, which I think that it's the only phone in the world to do that. Uh, this is very exciting. I loved last year's V20. That was one of my absolute favorite phones last year. I have high hopes for the V21. I haven't had a chance to play with one yet, but it could be really, really special, and it's great that it is actually getting a Western release because the V20 didn't. So that's really, really good. Keep an eye out for that. We'll hopefully be able to give some proper coverage once we've got one to play around with. Uh, second, a phone that is not going to get a Western release, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but this is another weird one from, from today and yesterday. Uh, the first ever Leica-branded phone is being released as a Japanese exclusive. Uh, you are probably aware that Leica has previously thrown its branding weight behind Huawei. And the big Huawei flagships have Leica branding on their camera systems. So this isn't the first Leica we've seen on a phone. But this phone is fully Leica branded. It's not a Huawei phone with Leica cameras. It's a Leica phone. Uh, the oddity is it's actually a Sharp phone. Uh, and they really <laughs> just slapped a Leica logo on a Sharp phone and taken the Sharp logo off. Um, 
But still, like a phone, it's in Japan. Uh, the Sharp phone is interesting itself. It's the one that has the one-inch camera sensor. It's the first phone in the world to have a one-inch camera sensor, which was in its own way really, really exciting. But that was a Japanese exclusive. The Leica version of it is also a Japanese exclusive. Um, I really hope one of these comes out somewhere else because it's just uh, wild and kind of interesting. And it's weird that we've got two different versions of it. And at the moment, neither of them are set to leave Japan. But, um, you know, if you're in Japan, great. Go, go check one of these out. They look really interesting. Uh, nothing is more of a software uh, thing, uh, but Google has dropped a batch of six new Android features, which is partly interesting just because this isn't normally what it does. Um, it's kind of like when it does its occasional Pixel feature drops, except these will roll out on basically any Android device that, that gets the upgrade to it from, from the OEM. Uh, so they're not Pixel exclusives. They're just, a, it's, it's odd because it's a weird little grab bag of features that you might think they'd have held back for Android 12. But um, the Android Earthquake Alert system is, uh, is rolling out. We've got the option to star messages in the Messages app. Um, it's improving the setup for sort of emoji combinations. Uh, Google Assistant's better about taking you to specific bits within apps. And there's some Android Auto updates as well. Nothing major, nothing super exciting. But it's an interesting shift in uh, the sort of Google Android update strategy, I guess. That they're not just going to wait for the an annual updates and they're not going to roll these out one at a time, but maybe just these little pixel-style content drops for everyone, which is nice. Uh, what is next on my list? I closed the tab with my list. That was silly. Here we go. <laughs> the Galaxy S21 FE has been in the news a few times this week because we've had some little features, leaks around a few features like the charging speeds, 25 watt, and a couple other bits and bobs. And we saw some renders relatively recently. But the big story this week was that maybe the whole phone is being delayed because of serious production problems. Uh, this came out of a report, I think, from Korea. The original report has since actually been taken down. Samsung is denying it. But they're denying it. It's one of those denials where the wording kind of makes it sound like there maybe is a production delay. Uh, they said nothing has been determined regarding the alleged production suspension, which is one of those very wishy-washy sentences that really they're very carefully not saying there has not been a production suspension. They're just saying nothing has been determined about it. Uh, so we're not really sure what's going on there. I think what was interesting as well was a lot of the reports about the delay said it wasn't as straightforward as just the general silicon shortage around the industry and that it was other components that were the problem. I think battery tech was one of the things I saw. Um, but either way, it looks like the S21 FE may be in a spot of trouble and may not hit the kind of late summer, early autumn launch we were all expecting to see it in. But we'll see. Samsung may have got it under control. And then the final little announcement is one I'm going to uh, punt over to Toddy because he, <laughs> he's been covering this and I haven't and he knows more about it. But Motorola has just unveiled the Motorola Defy, which is a rugged yeah. phone. Uh, and it's a, it's a resurrection of, of an old brand of theirs. Is that right? Exactly, yeah. So the original Defy came out in 2010 and then they had a couple of other models. We actually reviewed them uh, on now offline articles, alas. But um, yeah, it was uh, one of the first at the time phones that had things like Gorilla Glass and IP certificated, like a certified uh, water and dust resistance. Mm -hmm. And all of that is kind of back here. So basically underneath the specs, I looked at it, the spec sheet is basically the Moto G9 Play. 
So it's a pretty affordable, it's a budget mm. phone with a 5,000 milliamp hour battery and a quad camera with a 48 meg sensor and a dewdrop notch. So it's not like super cutting edge or anything, but it's it's wholly usable, underlying, and it's obviously got Motorola's kind of nice software. What they've done is teamed up with Bullet Group, who are the company responsible for the JCB phone, for the Caterpillar phones and the Land Rover phone, if you remember that, which had like modules. It was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. uh, all rugged devices. And so it has a really kind of hardy dual layer design. It has a lanyard built in. Um, it's got IP68 and it's got uh, Gorilla Glass Victus, which is what you'd find on like the S21 Ultra and the uh, Note 20 Ultra, for example. So the latest Gorilla Glass. Um, a thing they were kind of keen to point out was that, you know, lots of phones are rated for IP60, whatever. Um, and then they all also come with like the caveat of this degrades over time. So like when it's out of the box is IP68. We can't say it's going to be IP68 in a year, hmm. whereas this phone comes with like a two or th- I think it's a two year warranty. And the design is this dual shell casing that they say, even if the outer shell got compromised and this shell is rated to be dropped on steel at up to 1.8 meters multiple times, if that broke, then the layer underneath is also IP68. Wow. Okay. Idea being, <laughs> you can't just immediately kill this phone. Even yeah. if you broke the outer layer, it could still take it in. Um, it's designed to, you know, be washed in disinfectants and soaps. Great for right now. So yeah, it's 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 it is a hardy phone. It sounds really promising on paper. It's kind of mid rangey price. Um, I don't have the price in front of me. It's around two hundred and thirty euros, I think, two forty euros somewhere in that that region. Um, so it's basically an entry level phone, but because of the extra hardy design, it's kind of a mid range pricing, kind of towards that yeah. that way. It's an interesting one because I think for whatever reason, there's, there's been a rugged phone market for years and they've always been kind of chugging yeah. along there. But the big brands have rarely played around in it, at least recently. Mm. And I'm sure for the people buying these, and I think often they're bought on an uh, industrial scale, it will be a construction company buys one for all of its workers or something like that. But um, They said it was for both consumers and that exact yeah. business group, like that can target audience. So. But I'm sure there's a space for people looking to be like, well, I trust yeah. Motorola, you know. I, I trust Motorola yeah. over over Doogie or or sort of the other brands that only work in the rugged space, and you may not know as well, and you may not trust as much as for a phone. And and I could see I could see Motorola carving out a little niche here that would work for them. Yeah, I mean Samsung was the last big player in that space who did the active range, and they kind of have stopped that in their phones. Mm. They still do these tab actives, but the the S twenty whatever's like there's no actives of s20s or S- yeah. not even s10s. I don't think. Yeah, I think it's been a so. Yeah, years. Motorola is a a brand that people can kind of recognize and rely on that now offers this kind of product which is cool Those samsung ones used to come in like camouflage didn't they yeah <laughs> yeah i think the s4 active had like yeah. a, a camo print back which yeah. is pretty cool i'm not sure who's dropping their phone on steel though no, I, I don't I mean, have I was thinking like tread plate maybe yeah. on like an oil rig you know that's like <laughs> yep. where the press photos are always like all these oil rig workers they need the, the defy that's basically who they made it for <laughs> uh cool okay so let's turn to our big story of this week which has to be the honor 50 and that we had a i think a very welcome surprise with the honor 50 because we knew it coming in that we had a chinese launch scheduled for this week for honor's new flagship series but we knew it was a chinese launch not the global launch and in china the phones don't ship with google anyway so i was not expecting to find out either way about the phone's googly situation and it was a very welcome surprise that honor did manage to confirm this week that the honor 50 will launch worldwide though not in america um and that when it does it will have google mobile services which is really exciting anyone who's been following at all will obviously know honor is a former huawei subsidiary 
as part of Huawei, they were caught up in that company's trade ban. That meant no Google. That meant the last few years of Honor phones full shipped without any Google support. You're limited to the Huawei app gallery and stuff like that. Really compromises the software experience. Huawei's been catching up and doing its best. And we talked about Harmony OS recently and their attempts to kind of bring that round and bring itself back to software par. Uh, but it, it, it was always a struggle. And then uh, earlier this year, they announced that they were selling Honor basically to protect that brand so that Honor could be independent of Huawei and still preserve itself as a hardware player uh, by being able to start shipping phones globally with Google again. And what was funny about that was then it took months where we heard nothing about whether that was going to happen. And we had the uh, the V40 series was announced and just nothing about it shipping with Google. And this big wait, you know, a few other little releases, teasing stuff, nothing about Google. And then all of a sudden we find out with the 50, we're getting Google. This is great. Um, and I think this is a this is a, a huge chance for them to come back into the global marketplace. And I'm very excited for that because I used to love a lot of the Honor devices. And I think as much as I missed Huawei going, in a way I missed Honor more because I think they were such an important player in the mid-range space for, the, for Europe. I think Hannah, who's been on the stream a few times, was pretty jazzed because she was probably the, one of the last people to review a lot of the Honor phones that didn't have GMS before they kind of stopped seeding them for a while. So I think she she kind of also appreciates the uh, the news. Uh, yeah, totally. Um, I've completely lost track of what I was thinking. God, this is awful, terrible, terrible radio. Tell uh, us about the range. What specs, phones can we specs. expect to so see? So we have three phones in the series: the Honor Fifty, the Honor Fifty Pro, and the Honor Fifty SE. The SE is uh, like an iPhone SE. It's the cheap one in the series. Um, the 50 is the only one that Honor has confirmed is going to launch worldwide. So I think it's most likely the Pro and the SE are going to stay China only. So I don't want to dwell on them too much. We're going to focus on the 50 because that's the one we might get to play with in, in Europe. And if you're elsewhere in the world, that's the one you might get the chance to look at. So what you're getting with a 50 is a 6.5 something inch uh, 120 hertz OLED display. They also say it's dynamic refresh rate, so it will be able to shift up and down, which is really welcome. It's full HD plus, not WQHD, so you're not getting that kind of extra resolution, but I think that's a very sensible compromise for most people. Um, the chipset is an interesting one because it's not gone for a flagship 8 series. Instead, they've gone for the Snapdragon 778G. So this is kind of roughly the equivalent of putting in a 765 from last year as we saw with a lot of kind of the more affordable flagships and the higher end mid-range devices um and even the pro model in the lineup is still the 778g i think a lot of people thought the pro would pack one of the eight series and the regular one wouldn't but no they're all they're both 778g and then the se is is a mediatek uh dimensity 900 i want to say uh they're all 5g um, but yeah, it means they're all in this kind of mid-range space in terms of pure performance, but definitely upper mid-range. So I think they should be very competitive for a lot of people. Um, the design is worth dwelling on for a moment because I know people have kind of been very quick to highlight the fact that the design looks a little bit like what we've seen of the Huawei P50, which is to say the camera module is basically two big circles where there's one lens in one circle and then the secondary lenses all sit in the other circle. So at a glance, it looks like two lenses, but in fact, the second kind of circle is just one big container for multiple lenses. Um, first thing I want to say on that is the Huawei comparison. I've seen people already speculating that this is a sign that 
Huawei and Honor are still closely connected, even though they're not meant to be. It the that Huawei is still kind of running Honor through back channels and and shell companies and and things like that, and secretly still own Honor, even though they've you know made a big song and dance of selling it. Uh, I mean, maybe I I've not dug into the Honor ownership. You know, it, it just trying to dig through shell companies. I don't think that's what's going on here, though. We've got to remember, Honor was only sold about six months ago, and mobile phones take a really long time to make. And so this has been probably this phone was first designed over a year ago, long before Honor was sold by Huawei. So yes, I don't think it's a coincidence that this looks a bit like the P50, but I don't think there's anything nefarious. I think that's more just Honor was probably working on this while it was part of Huawei, while Huawei was building the P50, and while they did have that close link in terms of their their development stuff, uh, as a look though, I I actually quite like it. I to be honest, I prefer the Honor implementation to what we've seen of the P50. And I know we've not really seen much of the P50. We've only kind of seen one short little video and and then one one proper image, whereas we've seen a bit more of of the Honor 50. But I just think something about the colors they've picked, the way the lenses kind of are a bit more flush with the body, the circles are a bit less pronounced than on the P50 series, um, I think it works for me. My, my reservation is that finish. It's, I've only seen it in still images, but when you're like up close, are there little sparkly bits all across the back? Is it like little glittery I, designs? On silvery model, yes. Um, I think the others, no. I think it is just the silver model that's got this sort of sparkly, glittery effect running through it. Uh, I agree that is not for me. Um, I, they, they did kind of single that one out in the press release, how whatever that finish is called, uh, you know, they went to some special effort to make it, you know, e extra sparkly and glittery. Uh, oh, it's called Frost Crystal, that one. Uh, the, other three, the other three are more just kind of metallic. There's uh, amber red, emerald green, and midlight, midnight black. Uh, I think those are more straightforward, slightly gradiented metallic finishes. Huawei still wins with Breathing Crystal. That is still the most ridiculous color name. Breathing Crystal out trends, there. for sure, for naming. Frost yeah. Crystal is pretty tame by comparison. They uh, they haven't pushed the boat out too much. Uh, but I like the look of these phones. I, I think uh, I think these finishes look nice. I think the I don't love that big camera module, but I think I'd still rather a kind of a a, a domino style, just kind of brick. But I think it looks nicer than what we've seen at the P50. And I definitely have seen worse camera modules in my time covering the phone industry. I quite um, like these. Do you? Yeah, I quite like it. Um, I think because I liked the I liked the image they shared of the P50. Well, not they, not Honor, mm. Huawei. Um, and obviously, this is similar. And I, I'm pretty sure you're right. Like, you can't expect a company that's only just parted ways to suddenly produce a phone that looks no different to the company they were you know producing phones alongside like um, absolutely 99 i mean we're still sure that's the explanation yeah we're still in that moment where you know yeah. the, the last honor band that came out was still functionally identical to the the, pre, the the similarly timed huawei band uh they just announced the honor magic book x laptops which are sort of you know an upgraded tier of magic book and you know you may note that that is also the naming for the matebooks they have their make huawei matebooks and then the huawei matebook x models are their premium ones and again these look very similar we're still in that phase where honor is fundamentally pushing out the last of the stock that it had been developing as part of huawei 
yeah and that mean, is kind of inevitable we we know these companies work on like one two you know even five year sort of roadmaps and like you know the products in that that first year or two are, are going to be you know fixed in you can't just suddenly change them um, but yeah i like the the main camera module's got like a, a johnny five short circuit sort of vibe about it which i quite like um <laughs> i don't quite like the other one with with all the other lenses in it that's got a bit of i can't remember what that phobia is that but people with phobia, phobia yeah people aren't gonna like that that one <laughs> like the uh the nokia was it the nokia 9 pure view yeah. was that the one that had it's, oh yeah i mean nothing five cameras that, that would be hard to beat but this has still got a similar sort of vibe i wouldn't say yes, the red it, one is red it looks kind of peachy sort of it's a peachy pink, isn't yeah, it? Peachy it's pink to me. Amber. Yeah, I like I mean, the green one. It's called one, amber red, and the amber sounds right, but the red sounds wrong. Yeah, um, green one for yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree on the the second kind of lens module, the look of it. The funny thing is, it looks a bit better on the SE, the cheap phone, because that is only a triple camera. the The fifty and the fifty pro are quad cameras, so they're squeezing three lenses into that second circle. The SE only has two lenses in that second circle, and as a result, actually looks a bit nicer for it. Uh, worth running down what those those lenses are as a whole because it is one of those quad camera setups that's a little bit misleading and really it's one good camera as you might have guessed from the way they've placed it uh, on the 50 and the 50 pro you're getting a single 100 megapixel main camera uh, with an aperture of f1.9 i'm not actually sure what sensor they're using here um, I, I the specs I was sent by on I weren't detailed enough to dig down into exactly what sensor or what sensor size, but it is a high resolution main camera. Um, but then all you're getting otherwise is an eight megapixel ultra wide, and then a macro lens and a depth sensor. Uh, even classic. on the pro, it's the same setup. Yeah. So it, I think the the gap between the pro, like all three models, is pretty impressive. It's not that big. Um, mm. So the fact we're only going to get the Honor 50 maybe is still pretty good. Totally. I mean, it is one of those funny ones where the Pro feels almost like the way Pro models used to be and aren't so much anymore. But the, the Pro model is mostly just bigger. Um, it's it's a 6.79, no, 6.72 inch display. So it's a little bit larger screen um, and it gets an extra selfie camera. It's a dual selfie camera rather than single. And it's got 100 watt charging in the Pro, whereas you get 66 watt charging in the regular. But the Pro is a smaller battery. So actually, I don't think many people would make that trade-off. When we you know, mostly talk about trade-offs between battery and charging speed, and people always worry that fast charging is actually going to hurt their battery life in the long term. So especially when you say, hey, this one charges faster, but the battery's 4,000 milliamp hours rather than 4,300. I think nine, nine out of 10 people would pick the slightly bigger battery with the slightly slower charging, which probably makes the regular 50 more appealing. Um, so I, I don't think I've ever seen a hundred ex explicitly a hundred megapixels. We've seen hundred and eight and like bigger and smaller, but not exactly a hundred. So I don't know what sensor that is. That's also part of what's throwing me off knowing what sensor it is, because it, it, a lot of the leaks in the run up were that it would be a hundred and eight, and there was a lot of stuff going around showing off hundred and eight megapixel, and um, and then yeah, it is it is a hundred megapixel is what Honor is saying, and yeah, I don't off the top of my head know what sensor out there is a one hundred megapixel sensor that's kind of widespread and, and would be found in this so i'm not 100 percent sure which component they're using there and that's something we're going to want to dig into when it comes to actually reviewing one of these um but i think you know the the sense we get from all of this is interesting which is that it is quite mid-range 
which I think is smart for Honor, because one of the things we saw happen over their time as part of Huawei is that they started inching closer and closer to the flagship end, and the top Honor phones overlapped a lot more with the Huawei flagships, and it became a bit harder to tell the difference and which one was for which. This really feels like a course correction where they're going back and saying, right, well, we're going back to being, you know, we're now Honor, we're an independent player, we're, we're reinventing ourselves, and the way they've done that is to go back to their roots in a way and say, we're going to be aggressively mid-range and, and pursue pursue value. And you can see that in the pricing that they've gone for, actually, because the regular Honor 50 starts from 2,701, uh, which is about £300 or $420. Uh, for the 8 gig RAM, 128 gig storage, which again, it would cost more if it launched over here, but that is pretty solid pricing. That is fairly aggressive. At that point, the other bits, the specs start to fall into place. The fact that it's a 7 series chipset, the fact that it's really a one good camera and some other lenses rather than a proper sort of quad camera setup. We're not getting a really good wide angle. We're not getting a telephoto, any of that stuff that you would expect in a flagship, but it feels like they're consciously not gunning for the flagship space right now. Do you guys agree that that feels like the right play for them to make? Uh, for sure. I think with, I mean, you know, one of the best-selling phones for Samsung last year wasn't the S20s. It was the S, was it S, the A51 5G, mm-hmm. or A51 series. So, you know, and, and last year OnePlus pushed into the mid-range in a big way. So for Honor to do the same makes, yeah, total sense. It's where people are actually, people, you know, aspire to the flagships, but they're spending their money on the mid-range. Mainly, that seems to be the trend right now. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And especially for a brand that essentially has to earn people's trust again, right? They've, uh, you know, been (laughs) fundamentally out of the European marketplace for for, for two years now. Still, they've still been releasing phones in FedEx. I don't want to suggest they haven't been, but they haven't been a player in the same way, obviously. I mean, the other thing I'd say is that they probably weren't damaged quite as badly from a brand perspective because, like, people know, even my tech friend, my friends who aren't techie people heard about, oh, Huawei phones aren't going to get updates anymore. But I don't know if everyone's joining the dots between, you know, the, the previous relationship between Honor and Huawei. So Honor just reappearing, it just, to the average consumer, might just look like they just didn't release a phone for a while and now they're back and there's no big kind of shift for them. So, yeah, it might be fine. Absolutely. The, you know, Huawei was a household name in in a bad way for the last few years, like it or not. And, you know, a lot of the stuff around, you know, in, in, not, on the consumer side, not getting Google, on the other side, people knowing they were being ripped out of 5G infrastructure, people linking them to sort of, you know, the Chinese government spying on you and stuff like that. You know, Honor isn't, is not completely known on a household level that Honor is part of Huawei or was part of Huawei. So I definitely think, yeah, from from the average consumer's perspective, this will be more like, Oh yeah, I used to see that brand in the shops, and then they disappeared for a while, and now here they are again. And yeah, I mean, all cool. the you know all those news stories you know had Huawei in the headline. They didn't have Huawei R one, by the way, on a two. Like, you know, yeah. they, it might have mentioned it lower down in the story, but yeah, mostly people will associate it with Huawei. Um, and I do agree on the pricing. Like, yeah, you you've got to go for those sorts of mid range prices because if you push a bit higher and go for that sort of low flagship no man's land you you end up like an lg velvet or you know something like that and it's just sort of it's too in betweeny like you you sort of yes. need to go one way or the other and you know less you know 
see what happened to LG. <laughs> yeah, there seems to be a sort of hinterland around like the seven eight hundred dollar mark, where maybe six seven hundred dollars, where it's just kind of too expensive for people to casually buy, but doesn't feel premium enough. And if you can afford to spend that much, then you can afford to spend more and get the top line ones. It seems to be where yeah. people land on it. Um, and it's a very tricky space to, to win people over in, unless you've got brand clout, like Google throwing a pixel out. And even then people don't buy that many of them really. Um, yeah, so the Honor 50 is going to be on the way. I was briefly actually the Honor SE because I didn't really talk about the difference of that. The SE is very similar. Um, it's a Dimensity 900 chipset, as I mentioned. It's an LCD display rather than an OLED. And it's also larger. It's, uh, it's even, the biggest one, right? It's even bigger than the Pro. Yeah, I think this one is a 6.78 inch display. Yep. Uh, so it's a big LCD display, bigger than the other two. Um, interestingly, it has the same main camera, so the camera shots should be pretty comparable. Uh, you're getting the same main camera and the same ultra-wide. Um, you're also still getting the macro. All you're missing is the depth sensor. So maybe the portrait mode won't be as proficient, but other than that, I don't think people will miss out too much. No, it, I mean, it's, it's a small thing generally, but like also like the, the ISP, the image signal processor, will change because it's a different manufacturer. So like people were drawing yes. comparisons between the Exynos and the, the Qualcomm-powered um, Galaxy S21 Ultra, for example, because even though they both had phenomenal cameras, they did process images a little bit differently. And that was with, you know, the same yes. device on the same class of chip. So this might be that even though it's the same sensor, how the images processed are a little bit different, but I can't imagine it's going to be anywhere like like detrimental in any way that they've moved to a MediaTek chip. Yeah, yeah, I think they agree. If it's side by side, you might spot slight differences in how it's tuned, but I don't think it will be anything too radical. Um, so yeah, the SE is also pretty comparable. It's basically there if you want a big screen but can't afford the Pro and are happy to fundamentally make the drop to LCD from OLED, I think is really the big change there and uh, that that little chipset dropped to. But again, I think the regular 50 is the only one we're going to get in the West. We don't know when. Honor has said later this year. Um, it is a pretty aggressive uh, list of countries it's targeting. It did kind of say the markets it wants to go for. There are a lot. Uh, the UK is, is in there, so we're happy. But most of Europe, um, a lot of the Middle East, some of South America as well, uh, and other bits of Asia. So uh, an awful lot of places in the world. Uh, it won't be any surprise to hear they are not yet giving the United States a go. But uh, I'll be curious to see if and when they're bold enough to, to try for that, but probably not for a while yet. But yeah, some point, hopefully not too long. Hopefully in the next couple of months, we'll see an Honor 50 make its way to Europe and then we'll get the chance to actually go hands on with it and let everyone know what we think. Uh, let's move on to OnePlus. Once again, we cannot stop talking about OnePlus, apparently. <laughs> uh, we have spoken in the past about, well, I think last week we spoke about the Nord CE 5G. I'm now able to show you the phone. Last week, it was just slightly before I was allowed to actually reveal the phone that I had. Uh, so this is the, you know, Core Edition Nord. Um, I don't want to focus too much on this because I know it's now been out for a little while. Uh, suffice to say, I think it's very good. I think it's um, a lot like the original Nord. It is cheaper. It's cut back. I think what's interesting is it's cut back across the board. It's not one or two changes. They've changed a lot of things all over the phone. The result is I think it feels a little more generic than the first Nord, a little less distinctively OnePlus. Um, you know, the big sign of that being the lack of an alert slider, that OnePlus kind of trademark hardware feature. Um, and this is kind of what I wanted to talk about today because we've also now seen the launch of the N200, which is coming to North America. 
uh, North America being basically the only major market where the CE isn't coming. So the Nord two, the N two hundred is kind of the the consolation prize for North Americans. Um, but then also this week we've had this news that uh, OnePlus is uh, sort of tightening its relationship with Oppo, um, which has been a process that's been going on for a while. They they merged their R and D departments uh, either earlier this year or late last year, and they've sort of End been of last year. End of last year, thank you. Mm. And they've been getting closer, and we've seen little signs of this. And and uh, I think one of the biggest obvious signs that this relationship was closing up was that if you buy a OnePlus phone in China now, it runs ColorOS, the Oppo operating system. Uh, OnePlus used to have Hydrogen OS, their sort of Chinese skin of Android, and they've just scrapped that. And now if you buy a OnePlus phone in China, it comes with Oppo software. Um, and I, I'm curious... It's backwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of curiosity about what 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 this means now uh and the the blog post from pete lau is very vague i think it's fair to say and that he doesn't really there's very little concrete information they say they're making the relationship closer there's very little concrete information about what that means how they're making how they're bringing their operations closer and what direct uh impact that's going to have on either company not just on oneplus because it will affect oppo as well i think you know i think the idea is that if, if if oppo is going to shift how oneplus operates there's certainly some hope that oneplus will kind of rub off on on oppo as well in the other direction right yeah i think the uh, for those who don't know like the reason that it's oppo and oneplus by the way is this is over like a parent company above them mm -hmm. called bbk electronics yep. and they also have realme and they have vivo i think in there yes. as well and Vivo's maybe BBK. someone else um and uh with this move yeah i mean we we oneplus and oppo have had a relationship for a long time we've seen phones that are basically oppo phones running a oneplus logo oneplus software oneplus hardware like slight differences in hardware to the oppo equivalent phone so that's what the um, n100 was basically the yes, yeah, oneplus nord n100 yeah three yeah i remember exactly um, yeah and i think the the uh the rumored the n uh the nord 2 which is rumored to be coming out soon is apparently a realme phone the x9 pro which also yep. isn't out yet but that's the rumor um and th this has spanned back years so this relationship is yeah it's not new in that regard but i think you know the reason i just said it's backwards in china in that color os is what's replacing hydrogen os over there i could see more it it, it makes more sense to me that this relationship even if sadly oneplus did stop doing hardware that they maintained their own launcher and also their own kind of um camera firmware and that kind of stuff mm. uh, and so the oneplus experience can still be had on oppo hardware because that feels like an easier way to maintain this relationship totally. than not having to develop their own hardware but tweak the hardware that they're given from oppo to make it decidedly oneplus that seems like the better way to do this if this is the path that they are taking mm -hmm. we don't know that but that's what it looks like right now yeah, I think the the worry people have is that we'll lose what makes OnePlus OnePlus, um, which I think is a sort of simplicity to their design and their software usage, and then a few specific hardware features that are very familiar for OnePlus users, like the alert slider. Um, and the, the thing is, I actually don't have a problem if, if it is something like you've suggested there, where there's this kind of base Oppo phones that OnePlus gets to tweak a little bit to make feel it's kind own. of like a google play edition sort of thing you know? yeah because the thing to remember is that oppo phones by and large are very good 
Uh, you know, I, I think I think people often hear that, you know, whenever there's talk of the OnePlus Oppo coming close together, people are very, OnePlus fans tend to be very downbeat about it, as if Oppo, yeah. as this bigger corporate presence, is going to crush OnePlus's, you, you know, startup spirit and that kind of thing. And I get that because OnePlus has always operated and felt like, or at least given the image of a small company and people like that. Um, but this isn't kind of like, you know, craft beer and giant macro breweries where the macro brewery is pumping out rubbish and, you know, ruining the craft brewery. And it, it Oppo is also producing great phones. Like, honestly, this year, Oppo's Find X3 Pro is better than the OnePlus 9 Pro. So, you know, like Oppo has made a better top tier flagship phone, the OnePlus code. And if if that means that the next OnePlus flagship learns a bit from what Oppo is doing with the Find X stuff, um, as clearly was happening a bit, because you look at what they were doing with the 9 Pro and the Find X3, and it was the same thing where they were both like, oh, let's make the main and wide angle cameras comparable. They both had the same idea there and just implemented a bit differently, but it's clearly their shared R&D coming together. But you know what? Out of that shared R&D, I prefer the Oppo iteration of it to the OnePlus iteration. That's why I think the killing the software in China is, is the, the backwards route here, because that's where the differentiation really is you know if oneplus is already really using oppo hardware like with the the cheaper nord devices um that was interesting to see last year when they introduced the n10 and the m100 because it was how does the oneplus experience translate to the cheaper hardware yeah cheaper hardware that they clearly didn't spend as much time on because they were really just pulling more of a off-the-shelf oppo build mm -hmm. um ready to go um so yeah i'm confused by what this means um in pete lau's letter like he was talking about how nothing really is going to change right now for the consumers so even though operationally they they have basically continued since they didn't like just do r d at the end of last year uh the way he phrases the letter he's talking about the fact that they've continued to fuse divisions this whole time so it wasn't yep. like okay and now we're going to keep going it's been happening yep. since december last year um whether you like it or not it's just been <laughs> happening in the background um but apparently they are still going to try and you know uh oneplus has a whole community aspect that Oppo doesn't really have um especially i think with with the indian market and the western market where oneplus is maybe a more established brand um maybe well, not in india but you know elsewhere totally the the big point i've seen someone else make i can't remember who i don't want to steal it without vaguely attempting to badly give credit but um, OnePlus is the only BBK, BBK brand with a North American presence. And they have worked yeah, very absolutely. hard to get that. They've worked very, very hard to build those carrier relationships that they have so that you can go buy a OnePlus flagship from T-Mobile uh, if you're in the States and that kind of thing. And you cannot get an Oppo. You cannot get a Realme. You cannot get a Vivo. And that's probably not going to change anytime soon. So there's no one should look at this and think they're about to kill OnePlus because they love having OnePlus because OnePlus sells some cell phones to Americans and they cannot do that with any of the other brands that they have. So it's very important to them that they keep OnePlus as is um, and, and keep it there as their access point to the American market. Um, what we may see more of is this idea that, that it allows them um, to push more phones out into the States as OnePlus models and we may see more phones that are sort of North American only OnePlus models that are really rebranded Realme and Oppo phones because essentially that can be how they release this Realme, this you know cheap Realme phone or this mid-range Oppo device. How do they get it into the American market? Well, they just stick a OnePlus logo on it uh, and, and throw Oxygen OS on top and bam, now you've got Oppo in, in America. It makes business sense, but it's, it's disheartening if you have a 
like enjoyed the OnePlus journey thus far. Yes. And everything, you know, the, the time and effort that we've seen, you know, we've we've been able to meet the people behind the company and learn about just how much autonomy they have had to a certain degree. Obviously, we don't get like insider information all the time, but by just speaking to them, you know that, you know, sometimes they are just left to kind of sort it out for themselves. Not like like they they have free reign per se, but they, they also don't have to do what Oppo tells them to do or it yep. hasn't seen that way. Um, and that sometimes means to their detriment as well. They've had to make mistakes and learn from those things, um, which we've seen in their products. Totally. So, yeah, I feel like a lot of that is just kind of going to get swept away or is getting swept away with this 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 fusion. But, yeah, of course, being able to sell more Oppo phones in, in the US, it's a no-brainer for mm. the bottom line, like, obviously. And that that is the thing, I think, that has been, like you said, it's been going for a while, but that sense that Oppo is a startup, that it's entrepreneurial, that it's a small company fighting its way up in the big bad world of the phone industry and holding its own against, you know, Samsung. Um, when OnePlus felt independent, it felt like an underdog at times, and people liked that. And they liked the fact that it was an underdog that happened to go out and put out some of the best phones on the market and some of the best value phones on the market. Um, and I think if there's a problem that OnePlus has, maybe it's that kind of presenting the brand and the story of the brand in a way that within the phone nerd space works for them. That you know, it doesn't matter too much for the average customer walking into T-Mobile to buy a phone, right? They don't they don't know who OnePlus is and they don't care. But for the people like ours and the people who might watch and listen to the show and follow the, the news of this space, and that's kind of how you get the word of mouth out. What OnePlus needs to do is try and still find a way to sell the idea that it is entrepreneurial that it is still independent that it's got its own you know there's a, there's a something that makes a phone oneplus that's not an oppo and there's some way that oneplus is getting to declare that for itself free from oppo and i think part of the problem they have is that pete lau is so closely involved in both companies now you know he has a senior position within oppo as well and so it's very hard to take that line because you know the, the culpe has left and now the sole head of oneplus is also very senior in oppo and so it's impossible to present the image that this is its own thing because it's just transparently not. Um, so if OnePlus can't bring that back, they have to figure out what the new pitch is. You know, what is it that makes OnePlus OnePlus if it's not being a startup? I mean, do 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 we think it's possible that also like Lau pulled the trigger on this announcement and and the decision to kind of like the whole the whole decision here of fusing departments because they kind of hit a roadblock both narratively in terms of the underdog story because they, they've their products now are pretty much on top of the very flagship devices they were trying to subvert initially you yep. know, in terms of pricing as well as features they are more competitive now than they've ever been um but then at the same time you know the oneplus 8 pro and 8t were, were great successes last year the 9 series generally i don't think did as well um in terms of uh press reception um, and I haven't seen like fans shouting about it in the same way. I think uh, sales have been it... good, though. To be fair, I don't oh, really? have figures okay, to hand. I think I remember seeing pretty positive sales figures for the nines. I'm not certain. You know, and then they, they've got the TVs in India. They've got the watch that didn't again review particularly well. Yeah. So I feel like there's lots of like they kind of have hit the end of a path, and they are trying to find a new path. And part of that seems to be that you know maybe maybe back inside the the oppo mothership is the way to kind of protect them whilst they yeah figure what out what that is re-engineer themselves or whatever that is yeah and it's because they're this new narrative trying to expand and you know fair play i get why but you know the, they had an easier time 
defining what OnePlus was and what its devices were when uh, the, the, the company put out two phones a year um, yeah. or, or three phones a year. And now, you know, there's a lot more than that. We're already on, we're not even halfway through the, the year yet. And we've had five OnePlus handsets, three, wow. three OnePlus yeah. 9s, and then the Nord CE and the Nord N200. Rumor has it there's a Nord 2 coming maybe next month or something like that. And so, the watch was this year, and the band was this year as well. Yeah, watch and band both this year. They just really, I think they released some new TV models in India too. Yeah, U1s as well, TV. Yeah. Yep. So there's been a lot of OnePlus stuff um, uh, coming out, and obviously this is something they want to do when they hit a wall. You know, there's only so much growth you can get if you're only going to do do two phones a year. They they were always going to try and grow beyond that. I think that's kind of inevitable. That's what you know not to get too political but that's what capitalism kind of dictates they have to grow they have to expand they have to do more each year than they did the year before um and the challenge for them is yeah you know they're they're losing a bit of the clarity they had as a brand um before that now there's a good point in in the chat just now from alex um who's asked if they need to change from a startup to a larger player in this space because people kind of can trust bigger brands more than smaller ones for customer support and things like that and I actually think there's exactly something that kind of ties into what I was about to jump on, which is that one of the big strengths they may have here, and this kind of explains the moves in terms of software, is that one thing OnePlus has struggled with over the last few years as it's expanded its device lineup is maintaining its software support. We've seen that in the way that, say, the watch shipped with what felt like not entirely finished software. I didn't use it myself, but I know a lot of the reviews were very critical of some of the software experience chris reviewed it right uh, like yeah. how, how did you find it again you can you can go much stronger than felt it was definitely not finished <laughs> <laughs> didn't it not have a 12 hour clock mode or a 24 hour clock mode or something uh, it yeah. only had 24 hour i think yeah. and it confused That's americans wild yeah wild that was the least of the problems <laughs> <laughs> right 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 um so yeah but you know the watch shipped with with what was maybe not quite not quite final software um it felt like it was maybe rushed but we've seen they're just they've just been slow to push out updates and support for a lot of their their phones and with the the n10 and the n100 they only even promised i think one os upgrade you know they really like straight out the gate were like yeah we're not really giving these software support in a meaningful way and they'd clearly hit that some limit on how much software support they could they could handle and how much they could keep uh, a key pace of new development on Oxygen while also supporting like a growing range of hardware uh, and different product categories and just more phones and more phones on cheaper chips and things like that. Uh, and that is a space where Oppo can help them because Oppo is used to pushing out 30, 40 phones in a year. And so Oppo is used to throwing a huge team of dev at, at, at software and at updates and at bringing, rolling it out across a load of devices. And I absolutely think that's part of the point of this is to bring those software teams closer together. I don't think that means we're going to lose Oxygen OS, but I think it means that if you use a Realme phone, and we'll talk about them in a bit, but the Realme UI is really Color OS with a couple of small tweaks. And I think that's kind of what we'll see Oxygen OS become Color OS, but with the OnePlus aesthetic. And I think there are downsides to that, and it may, may mean we lose some of the thing, little unique OnePlus things. But it will mean that they can roll out software support much, much more efficiently, hopefully better ongoing support, hopefully better customer service and things like that. But as Alex in the comments said, you know, people do turn to bigger brands and think, well, I'm more likely to get that kind of service from a big brand because they're more likely to have the ability to, to support it. 
that's the reason why like i recommend to non-techie friends who want an android phone that maybe even if it's not the best phone for the price a samsung advice is probably good because they're so huge they have such a, an established customer support like back end yeah um and yeah so that's exactly this makes perfect sense in that regard one thing i think Oppo is pretty good at pushing software updates out to its devices, you know, in, in the longer term. But uh, OnePlus, I think for Android 12, 11 or 12, the OnePlus 6T, which is like two and a half years old, maybe three years old now, is still getting updates to that, which is pretty cool. Um, so if anything, that's the one thing that the, the OnePlus side should pull into the Oppo side so that Oppo phones also get longer term support even if it's only their flagship stuff totally. you know we've seen it from other companies now so that that seems like a no-brainer as well yeah i mean more Hopefully and more companies everywhere are now pushing for that and oppo in turn is promising longer software support for its devices so i think yeah. that's part of it being able to bring all that software together and it's just obviously an efficiency for them to um uh, run all their software development together for for oppo and for oneplus and for realme um, and maybe that's a good good segue to jump to talking about Realme, um, which has just unveiled the the GT globally this week, um, which is a phone we've seen um, uh, in China in I think in March or something it was unveiled yeah. in China quite yeah, a while ago now, um, and it's finally rolling out globally. They said for a while it would be. Um, what is really striking about the Realme GT, and I think that's why it's interesting in a OnePlus perspective, is because. What I've seen this week is everyone kind of saying, oh, this is the flagship killer. And that used to be OnePlus's line, you know? <laughs> OnePlus put out flagship killers, but now OnePlus puts out flagships and Realme putting out, puts out a flagship killer because the Realme GT is a Snapdragon 888 phone with great specs everywhere across the board, except I think the camera is, is probably the weak spot. Um, but it's shipping from, this is an early bird deal price, but still, the early bird deal price is €369. Euros which is almost unreal in terms of the the pricing. I mean, so that, that for reference is only 70 euros more than the Nord CE um, at its starting price. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, at that, it's kind of, it's an absolute no-brainer, you know, throw this in the bin, get the GT. Like, it's, it's, it's crazy. And if you didn't hear the, the previous Realme GT episode where we talked about the Chinese launch, I think, uh, that includes, you know, uh, 65 watt fast charging i think the what does the ce the north ce have isn't that like 18 watts the ce is 30 it's 30 watts oh yeah the 30 yeah. t plus of course so yeah, what, yeah, what yeah charge it's, it's not t just plus. the chipset uh i think it's a 120 hertz display also like less sexy specs like ufs 3.1 storage so super fast storage mm -hmm. which a lot of phones not even a lot of flagship phones have no. um and lpddr5 ram which again means faster ram that's yep. just good for multitasking for everything you want to do. Um, yeah, so it's a really promising set of specs. And also it has a nice finish as well, if you like the special edition higher RAM model. Yeah, so is is, is the yellow just for the the higher edition one? The as edition I understand one? it, yeah. but I know that Lua Unbox Therapy was in an 8 gigabyte RAM model, but it had the racing yellow a back which is a yellow vegan leather finish with a black strip of i think glass mm. with a textured effect from the camera um but in the market where you actually be able to buy it as i understand it, it'll be the same as in china where the the racing yellow model is the only one with the 12 gigabytes of ram the right. other model that is coming to europe and i think india is uh, has eight gigs of ram 
as well. Fine. Um, uh, but yeah. Yeah, the, the yellow looks fantastic. Um, I, we don't have yeah, Lewis really doing nice. our production today and throwing lots of fancy images up on the YouTube stream. But uh, look, go go and look it up if you haven't seen the, the Realme GT already because it is a very pretty phone if you like that sort of thing. It's pretty bold. It is bright yellow. Um, it's a phone that's like, it's crying out for there to be a new Bumblebee Transformers movie this year because it absolutely <laughs> would have been would have been sponsored. Wrong time. It, I was about yeah. to say, it looks like they've done a collaboration. Yeah, yeah, it looks exactly like that, and I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> what I would say is the the dazzling silver and dazzling blue. The other two are kind of the standard glass backed colorways that we've seen. Um, are very generic. Uh, yeah. by comparison, like it's almost emphasizing how generic they look. Um, Realme has always kind of played with the reflective light patterns on the back of its phones. This one they're calling it like a, it has like a GT racing line in that like it looks like a racetrack or something. They try to explain why the shape of the reflections was somehow race inspired but it just looks yeah super bland so i guess maybe that's intentional so that you go for the fun one because it looks so much more exciting as a device absolutely that back. very very striking um yeah so as you said the specs are pretty top tier across the board it is 120 hertz amoled display uh, full hd plus but that's fine as we touched on before snapdragon 888 uh, ddr5 ram ufs 3.1 storage um fast charging it's still a big battery uh four and a half thousand milliamp hours so very very solid uh 5g obviously um worth pointing out from a software's perspective this is one of the phones that's already been uh able to access the android 12 beta so yep. you can say with confidence you will get android 12 on it but once once it's ready but also you'll probably get it pretty fast because if, you're, if they've already got a beta ready it seems likely that once android 12 rolls out officially in september october You'll, uh, you'll probably get the final version on, on a GT pretty quickly. Um, the camera, I think, is probably the area people will look at and say, okay, that's the compromise. Um, which isn't to say it's bad, but it's uh, in terms of the rear, you're getting a 64 megapixel main lens, aperture 1.8, and it's a Sony IMX682 sensor. Uh, I'm not sure if I've used a phone with the 682 in before. Um, I'm not sure what that's in. That will probably be pretty good, to be fair. Um, let down maybe a little bit by the Realme's, you know, camera tuning, which I think is is good, but not the best. Um, but the rest of the setup is just an eight megapixel ultra wide and a two megapixel macro. Um, so what I think what you're basically getting here, the best way to look at it is this is a phone with top or near top specs across the board. Um, but your your the camera is probably quite a good point and shoot. Like the main lens is probably pretty decent. But you're not getting any of that camera variety or versatility that a like flagship flagship would have. Uh, I think you're also missing out on those little luxuries like wireless charging and uh, waterproofing. As far as I'm aware, it doesn't have either. Pretty common at this kind of price, though, eh? Exactly. It does have a headphone jack. Seven Pro. Sorry. Hmm. Yes, it does have a headphone jack, um, and it has Dolby Atmos certification and and a few other bits. I think it has audio upscaling too, which is kind of cool. Nice. Um, just a quick look. The Realme 7 Pro, which we have reviewed uh, reviewed last year, has the same IMX682 sensor. So check out our camera review of that to get a feel for what the GT might be like in right. the camera department. Okay. Um, yeah. The, uh, I think Alex in the comments had just kind of glanced. Uh, or someone said, also, we were talking about Bumblebee, but also it is the Kill Bill phone. <laughs> yes. It yeah, yeah. Like... <laughs> And, and, and the bride's the bride's yellow jumpsuit, which itself is based off uh, is it Jet Li? Or uh, Br Bruce, uh, Bruce Lee, Bruce, Bruce Lee, and yeah, yeah, um, yes, yeah. Any anything else in that bright yellow with black striped space? Uh, I, I hadn't thought of Kill Bill or, or the Bruce Lee, but absolutely, um, 
yeah, I, I really like the look of it. Um, it, it it's worth noting, as I said, the price we were mentioning, 369 euros, that is the early bird pricing. Um, the phone goes on... Without that, though. Hmm? It's still good pricing without it's, that. It's still phenomenal. It's still so really good. It will go up, but it is, what, 450 euros, something like that, I think. Yeah, 449 for the 8 gigabyte RAM model and 499 early bird for the 12 gigabyte RAM model, which goes up to 599. These are all euros, by, yep. by the way. Um, but even at 599 for the top spec one, the yellow one with the 12 with RAM, not discounted, still pretty competitive. Very competitive. Very competitive. I mean, and, and essentially at that price, you're putting it up against the OnePlus 9, not the 9 Pro, but sort of the regular OnePlus 9. Uh, okay. And I would guess maybe the 9 would beat it a bit on camera chops, but I think this is going to have more other bits across the board that would make me go for this. And probably for getting the same RAM storage skew, you'll end up still going definitely cheaper on, on the GT. Uh, so I feel like OnePlus dropped the ball this year with the colorways and the finishes on the nice series, yep. and so the GT just looks so much more. Certainly, if, if you're looking at the yellow version of this, I think it looks nicer than any of the OnePlus nines. Though, as we said, the other finishes maybe not so much. But I kind of wanted to get to this because it ties back to what we were talking about with OnePlus, which is thinking about now this this Oppo portfolio of brands really, where. Um, we mentioned that Realme and and Vivo are also BBK brands, but Vivo is quite separate. So kind of set Vivo to the side. But if Oppo very closely manages Realme and now OnePlus is coming closely into the fold and what it really looks like they're in a position to do if they want to is position this really as a three brand portfolio where kind of Oppo gets the flagship flagship, OnePlus gets the mid range and Realme gets the budget. And then they'll each play around in other spaces. Realme will put out something like this that's kind of upper mid range and OnePlus will have its pro models that go into the flagship space. Um, so there'll be overlap, but it definitely feels that they're in a space now where they get to start really demarcating that, where it's like, well, the cheap ones are the real me's, Oppo in the middle, uh, sorry, OnePlus in the middle, and then Oppo gets to really, like, be their, like, hero brand with the, the top, top, top stuff. Um, and so it puts Realme in an interesting space there where now you can see why this looks like it's lining up up against the OnePlus phones and undercutting them, because that is probably exactly where Oppo wants Realme to be. Uh, which is slightly undercutting OnePlus now, while um, while OnePlus will slightly undercut Oppo, um, much like we saw with Honor and Huawei uh, in a, what's turned out to be a Chinese brand subsidiary special episode of Fast Charge. Um, but They're busy, uh, absolutely. Uh, we should touch briefly on the other exciting Realme news from the announcement. They also they also sort of launched um, a watch that had already been unveiled elsewhere, but they teased that they are going to do their first ever laptop and Android tablet, uh, which are going to be the Realme Book and the Realme Pad. Uh, they spent a while coming up with those names, I'm guessing. Uh, but yeah, this is kind of interesting. I again, looking at this space, the way that Realme has quite aggressively expanded. It was a relatively, you know, we talked about OnePlus in this expansion, but Realme has been much faster. And again, part of being part of the closely part of Oppo, perhaps. But, you know, Realme is younger than OnePlus as a brand, I'm pretty sure. And they've very quickly gone from phones to quite a lot of headphones and, and wearables. And now they're already ready to do tablets and laptops. Um, and again, the, the launch the other day did also include uh, a robot vacuum. Which oh, yes, of course. Vacuum. Yes. And they have in India, they have a, a smart nightlight and they have a TV as well already. So yep. they've got a bunch of products. And I think it was 2018 when they actually first put a product on the market so they are yep. very young 
Um, and they've moved very aggressively. So again, touching, you know, just going briefly back to OnePlus, but it does make you wonder, is this also one of the ways we're going to see OnePlus going? You know, if, 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 if there's a Realme laptop coming out, how long is it before we have a OnePlus laptop on the market? Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's probably a very similar laptop to the Realme laptop, but with a different logo and they can maybe sell it in America if they want to. Uh, but there's space to do stuff like that. I'm interested in this because I, I know we've been very impressed by the Huawei and Honor laptops every time we've reviewed one. And I know these are different companies, but I think there's a similar kind of ethos in terms of the way they build stuff and the way they go into these like established markets like the phone space and like the laptop space and try and undercut the competition on the really key points that, that I think actually matter to a lot of consumers. And if Realme is going to be able to do the same thing that it's doing in phones with its laptop and put out, you know, maybe a kind of 400, 500 euro laptop that's very aggressively specced for that price. That could be really, really exciting. And I'm also for the, the tablet side of things, uh, assuming it's an Android tablet, they didn't even say, but oh, I sorry, presume yeah, it would it must, be. Surely. Yeah, uh, because, yeah, you know, if you don't buy an iPad, you probably buy either a Samsung Galaxy Tab or a Kindle. And there's not really many other options out there. Lenovo's got some decent tablets that we've reviewed. Mm-hmm. But in yeah, most markets, there's not really any other player, especially in the Android tablet space, worth considering. And Realme has shown impressive value for money, especially with bringing performance and value together really well with the phones. So mm-hmm. if they can do that in the tablet space too, they could be a really interesting new name in that space that could actually really raise the profile of Android tablets, maybe. Yeah, I'm still not sure if there is a market that exists there or if they can you know, really win people over in that space. Uh, but if anyone can, they, they, they are in a position to give Samsung at least some competition because Samsung still also puts out its uh, cheap A-series tablets. And uh, if they had Realme nipping at their heels a little bit, that might help. Uh, and we know Xiaomi is looking at uh, more coming back to tablets as well, having done them in the past. So it's strange. I, I didn't call uh, Android tablet resurgence on my 2021 bingo, but it does kind of look <laughs> like it's happening, um, which is nice. That's, that's interesting to see. Uh, that will do us for this week. Uh, thank you to everyone who has been watching and listening. We will, of course, be back at the same time next week. Uh, I'm not sure what launches we're going to have over the next seven days, actually. It's um, off the top of my head going to be a relatively quiet period so you know maybe next week's gonna be really dull you could just skip that one come back in two weeks but you know we'll be here either way we can uh, tell thank you, you what, to everyone we, we can tell you what was uh good on prime day oh god yeah, yeah of course yeah prime day next week so we'll all be absolutely drained from from talking about savings and that's all we'll have in our heads is excellent deals on smart plugs um if you want to hear us babble incoherently once again we'll be back same time same place next week uh until then thank you and goodbye